Good morning, church family. Uh, my name's Mike. I'm not on staff here. I'm not one of the elders. I've, I've, I've been an elder on and off over the years, so we're going to test uh, Derek's holy man myth that the Spirit can speak through other people besides just him. So, uh, I have been looking forward to this Sunday <clears throat> for a couple of months, probably since I first said yes to this. Um, so I, I, as we've gone through this series over the last couple of months, I've had a lot of time to you know, be working on this and preparing on this. The odd thing is I didn't think to uh, ask why I was looking forward to this until like a few days ago. <laughs> um, and I think now I understand why. It's because um, this series just really intersects with an area in my life where I think that uh, God has been working. Uh, I, I have been really wrestling for a while uh, to get a deeper understanding of what, what is my part in this, God? What's my role in this uh, journey, this, uh, this walk with Jesus? And um, so I think I have some encouraging words for all of us this morning. At least they've been encouraging for me. Um, so... Um, before I get started, I'll just give my... Um, Disclaimer that I always give every time I'm up here, uh, I am not trained in preaching. Uh, I do not have a seminary degree. But there is no one else on earth who's better qualified than me to tell you what God is doing in my life. And that's true for you too, all of you, uh, about your life, not my life. <laughs> well, Donna could tell you about my life. Um, so uh, this morning I want to do two things, two things. I'm going to give us a quick recap of the hallway series, um, and, uh, and then, like I said, I have a, a, a encouraging words to go along with that. Um, originally, uh, I thought this would be an opportune time to insert a joke, um, thank all the people that preached the messages before for, you know, writing my sermon. I was going to give you a recap, and then here's a quick little application. But as I continued to work on this, uh, the, the application or the message got bigger and bigger. So now I feel like all of you guys that preached, Trevor, uh, Ben last week, Derek, Jake, Matt, um, I really just need to apologize because I am going to plow through your message so fast. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let, uh, let's pray here before we get started. Father God, um, I just ask you again, uh, that your spirit would fill us and fill this room, Lord. Uh, may it be your words and your message that comes out of my mouth. And I ask that you would be knocking on the doors of our minds and our hearts and that we would uh, hear your whisper, we would open the door, and we would hear what you have to say to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's a quick summary of the series that we went through, uh, or the topics that we went through uh, this summer. Uh, there's 10 messages there, including today, so that's why I can only spend a minute or two on each one. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and summarize some of the key points or what some of the takeaways were for me uh, as we went through that message. Uh, but I would just tell you, so in getting ready, um, you know, again, I had two months to get ready for this, so don't this, 
don't take this to be more than it is, but I had an opportunity to listen to each of these messages at least two or three times. And I would just encourage you all, you know, when you have time to do the same. I mean, it's really easy to pop one of these messages on when you're in your car driving to Salem. So these messages were all just fantastic. So I want to encourage you in that. So um, we started off uh, in this series. Um, Derek uh, gave us an introduction of the Hallway series and uh, introduced us to this mental uh, picture. If you want to go to the next slide, Andy. Um, developing a mental picture of a house. And for me, I thought of this as a, like a two-dimensional blueprint. Uh, we think of all the various rooms where we spend our time, but the idea was how do we put ourselves in hallways where the Spirit is active and, and we can be filled with the Spirit. Um, and, and, and Derek said, where does this journey lead? And uh, it lead, the destination, if you will, is Christ-likeness. So not that we're going to become a God, but that we become more and more like Christ. Uh, we call this journey of transformation sanctification. And uh, we looked at 2 Corinthians 3, uh, which says we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So we said, what are the hallways? Um, the focus of the series, these various ways that we can put ourselves uh, into hallways where the Spirit is active and where his power can do the work of transforming our lives. So uh, the first hallway that we looked at was, um, or no, I'm sorry, we're still more on the introduction. I'm going to spend a few more minutes on this. Then I'll plow through all the rest of your sermons. But I thought this was important. So we, we talked about, uh, we went through Galatians 5. Uh, the first part of Galatians uh, verse 16 says, uh, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. And it ends with, uh, verse 16 ends with, you're not under the law. So uh, we talked about how these hallways are not a checklist for us. Um, and I'll come back to that here in a minute. Um, in the introduction, we also talked about living by the Spirit and crucifying the flesh. So what does that look like? And uh, the main thing that I'll just say there about that is that it's an ongoing process. Um, and, uh, and then we concluded with, uh, you know, do we have the Spirit within us? Or are we being filled by the Spirit? How do we be filled by the Spirit if we already have the Spirit within us? And anyway, the answer to that question was yes and yes. So if you want more on that, watch the sermon or go talk to Derek. I'm sure he can explain that in crystal clarity. Uh, but you asked the great question at the end of that uh, message, uh, Derek, which I, for me, I thought it was great. You said, um, when you tell the story of your life and how God is working in your life, who's the hero of your story? So if I'm talking to you about the habits that I've put in place and these things that I am doing versus here's what the Spirit is doing in me, that might clue me in to, um, am I thinking about these things as a checklist? Uh, so anyway, I thought that was a great question. Uh, so the first hallway we looked at, Got to get moving, folks. First hall we, we looked at was discipleship. Uh, and Derek told us about his early morning group. Uh, he called this a high cost for a high cause. The cost being for a college student to get up early is a high cost. Uh, and it was a group of guys that met to study the Bible to encourage one another and challenge one another in love. Um, and again, you, you asked another question. Uh, when you think of your story, so, um, you know, what were the things that happened, or who were the people that brought you to Christ, uh, or taught you how to follow Christ? 
So when you think about those things in your life, the history of your life, it probably includes people. So uh, next we talked about what is discipleship, and we asked the question, are you being discipled? Are you discipling someone? Uh, and Derek encouraged us not to wait, okay? Um, first of all, it's probably not just going to happen. You're not just going to fall into it. You need to be intentional. And secondly, it's not about you. It's not about me. Uh, it's, it's not about waiting until I've achieved a certain level of maturity. It's about the Spirit being at work within us. Uh, let's see, the next uh, hallway that we looked at was community. And Matt told us about this Harvard study uh, that they've been doing for like five, six, seven decades. Uh, and you know what they found was that being in relationship was extremely important, that it far exceeded a lot of other factors in our life uh, in promoting health and happiness. And just as a side note here, I'll say, don't you love it when... Um, the best and the brightest minds of mankind spend all this time and energy and focus, and they discover something that God has already told us. It just puts a smile on my face when that happens. Uh, so anyway, then we looked at uh, examples of people from the Bible that shows that we were made for community. Uh, Matt, uh, as he was going through this, I was thinking of Adam, where God said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. But we looked at uh, Moses and the Israelites, as they've come out of Egypt in their first battle, and um, as they're uh, fighting against Amalek, um, they, this is a people that has no training, no experience, um, but they would win the battle uh, against these veteran fighters when Moses' hands were held up. But they're fighting all day long, so of course his hands would get tired, his legs would get tired. So Moses took Aaron and Hur with him, and they put a rock under him so he could sit down, and they held his hands up so that Israel would win the battle. We looked at Jesus and, and how he was fully God, fully man, but fully God, and he didn't need us, he didn't need humans to com complete his mission, but he chose community. Uh, and then we looked at all the one another's in Scripture. So who is your Aaron and who is your her? That's what we ended that message with. Um, next, we talked about Bible reading. Trevor gave me a headache with his message because I had to listen to his like six times. Uh, we looked at what are the Spirit's distinctive activities in transforming us, and we looked at uh, what happens when you read your Bible, and Trevor, where are you at, brother? Um, I love one thing that you said because it relates so much to my message today. When believers are willing to place their lives on a, collision, on a collision course with God's word, then spiritual transformation can occur. So we ask the question, how does reading the Bible bring about spiritual growth? And it tells us about God himself, that we are not the focal point, and it renews our minds so that we can approach life from his perspective. Um, and again, I love that you said, it's okay to not understand everything, especially at first. And it's okay to wrestle with Scripture. We have finite minds. God is giving us his word, and we have a finite ability to understand it. So um, 
being a, Christ, a Christian is less about being good and more about resting in Christ's work. Okay. Uh, the next week, we looked at spiritual gifts. And this is where Derek was dispelling the holy man mystery. He asked us, uh, the holy man myth, he asked us, is ministry a team sport or an individual sport? And you all gave all these examples of things that we're doing in ministry, which clearly show it's a team sport. And Derek said we have direct access to, well, Derek said it, it's God's word. We have direct access to God through Jesus, and we are part of a holy priesthood. So if you are a Christ follower, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit in you. He lives in you and empowers you. Uh, so next we looked at the body of Christ and how there's many parts, a variety of gifts, variety of services, variety of activities, and they're all empowered by the same Spirit who gives to each person as he wills. So the gifts aren't just to the staff and the senior pastor or the super Christians, I think you called it. Um, he gives them to each one of us um, for glorifying Jesus and for our common good. So what is your spiritual gift or gifts? And uh, again, I love that you said don't stress. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is yet, just talk to God about it and jump in and try something. Uh, next hallway, we uh, looked at baptism and communion. These are Jesus-ordained practices. They are visible and tangible expressions of the gospel. They do not save in and of themselves, but they confirm and nourish the believer. We talked about the importance of spiritual milestones so we can look back on when we were baptized. Um, and then, I never saw this before, but it's true. Baptism has three participants. There's the believer, and again, the baptism doesn't save. It's a testimony of the saving work that's already happened, uh, and the church. We witness this baptism. We, we, we affirm their profession of faith. It's a public event. And then finally, God and his, how his promises are portrayed through baptism. So in other words, uh, through Jesus, his death and resurrection, uh, we're raised to new life. And then uh, we looked at the Lord's Supper, which again is another uh, uh, way of visible and tangible uh, proclamation of the Lord's death. Okay, next we looked at uh, silence and solitude, and actually Jake put us in this hallway. Remember, uh, if you were here, so uh, we talked about Moses and the tent of meeting, and I, I love the thing that you said he talked with God, not at God. I am really good at talking at God. I need to get better at talking with God. I need his help to get better at talking with him. Um, we looked at Jesus' life and how he has a pattern of withdrawing from the busyness of life uh, to be with the source of life. We looked at Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and how he was looking for the Lord. And the Lord was in the whisper, not in the earthquake, not in the great wind, not in the fire, but in the whisper. Uh, and then we got into that hallway because remember Jake sent us off to all these different parts on the campus for I think about 15 minutes, right Jake? That was good. It took me about half that time to kind of quiet my mind and, and then God gave me something. He spoke to me. 
I haven't put this into practice. I forgot what it was. <laughs> but I trust if it's important, he'll bring it back to me. Probably has something to do with today. Next, next uh, uh, hallway was one anothering. And so Derek asked the question, what is the role that Faith Church plays in your life? How are you blessed through your participation? How are others blessed through your participation? And is it optional or is it critical? And uh, Derek said, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. That was Mike's commentary where I said there, I wondered, in Western culture, I wonder if that's one of the biggest lies of Satan, where, you know, we have this individualistic mindset um, that we can be a Lone Ranger Christian. So we, we considered uh, a, a variety of uh, areas of Scripture there, which... Um, these passages seem to support or demonstrate that the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. Okay. Is Ben here today? Ben, I'm sorry. We've got to get moving here to get to my message. So last week, Ben did a fantastic job of uh, looking at the hallway of prayer. And I love one thing he said, relationships require communication. And the God of the universe wants to talk with me. And we looked at how prayer, uh, through prayer, God uses, uh, or he uses prayer to show us what his will is, to develop compassion in me for those around us, and to bless me. All right, I gotta get moving, so I'm gonna end there. So, therefore, in light of all these hallways, now that we've studied them, what do we do with all this? The first thing I would say is, remember, this is not a checklist of things for us to do. To do. Remember, we are not under the law. So we're not meant to be striving to adhere to some practices or set of rules, this to-do list, so that we can live righteous lives. I have... I have lived this way for a big part of my life, and I will tell you, it's exhausting. And we can't do it anyway. We just fail over and over, so trying to live this way is also discouraging. Uh, today, I stand here and I'm thankful for the law because it reminds me that there's a better way, the only way. And then the last thing I would say about this not being a checklist is this. It misses the point. God desires something other than our uh, external behavioral conformity to some rules and practices. What he wants is our hearts. And there are so many passages of Scripture that will support this. I I've listed a few here. But I will say, 1 Samuel 15.22 says this, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. And then in John 14, Jesus speaking says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. 
So again, if you just stop and ask yourself, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? That might clue you in to if you're checking the box on some things or if it's a, if it's a heart issue. You're doing these things because you love Jesus. So walking by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, lived by the Spirit, it's interesting Paul uses all three of those phrases throughout all of Galatians 5, so kind of different ways of thinking about this. But, but what does it look like? How do I live this out in my life? What's my part? What's my role? Um, I mean, I think I know, I think I understand the uh, biblical answer to this, but as a person who lived as a checklist type of person for a lot of my life, it, it's a struggle to really understand it. Um, you know, when I read through First Peter, which thankfully is where we're going next, uh, so... Derek, you know, I'd appreciate it if you could make a mental note of this and help me out. Um, First Peter sounds to me, or it can sound to me like a checklist, a long checklist of the ways we're supposed to live our lives. Uh, and even in Second Peter, he says, make every effort. Paul, who wrote Galatians 5 here, uh, you know, He's saying to be led by the Spirit, but then in Philippians, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's another one that I've been wrestling with and trying to get my mind around for a long long time. Uh, But I think I realize now, you you should not read verse 12, Philippians 2.12. Do not read Philippians 2.12. Please, brothers and sisters, do not read it without finishing the sentence. Verse 13, it's one sentence. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's foundational. That changes everything. It does for me. So, what's our role? I would say it's this. Go ahead, Andy. I stole this from a message I did a couple years ago. (laughs) I think it's to yield our will. Um, I have a dear, dear friend who likes to say, when we talk about this, our role is simply to show up. Uh, And I I do like that. Uh, But to me, it still feels like there's something that I have to do, like show up at the ball field or show up at, you know, whatever. So to me, it feels like, okay, for transformation to happen, it's 99% God, but it's 1% Mike. So I like yield better. Uh, I also like the word availability. That's in a word, uh, in a book I read recently. And and, uh, uh, re- remember Mary's words in Luke 138. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I mean, that's some serious yielding and serious availability. So, here are the uh, key uh, verses that are helping me connect the dots and better understand my role. Um, First of all, Colossians 2.6, which says, As you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. How did we receive Christ? How did we receive salvation? Did you do any of that? It's by grace that we're saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. So it's 100% God. 
And then Ephesians 5.18 is another one I took a really deep dive into looking at uh, because it talks about being filled with the Spirit. Um, So going back to the original language, there's three things I can tell you about the verb be filled. First of all, it's present tense, so that means it's something uh, that is to be ongoing, like continue to be filled, keep on being filled. Second thing, it's an imperative, which I guess that means it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And then the third thing is it's passive, The significance of that being, it's not something we do ourselves. I don't fill myself. I I allow myself to be filled. Outside of the mystery of the gospel, that creates a problem for you because you are commanded to do something and keep on doing something that you cannot do. Neil, I might as well tell you to fly. Keep flying. You cannot do it on your own. If I try to fly, I mean, I can run and jump in the air. I can fly for about a second and a half. If I get up on the roof and I jump off the roof of my house, maybe I can fly for two or three seconds. But that's not going to end well for me. I don't know where you are in your walk with Christ. I don't know if you know Christ. But gravity is a scientific truth that I can choose to ignore at my own peril. And sin is a spiritual truth that I can choose to ignore at my own peril. Revelation 3, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. I think this verse is instructive for me in understanding my role because Jesus knocks on the door. He says, if you open the door. He doesn't break the door down. And then closely related to this is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So Paul is wrapping up his letter to the church of Thessalonica and he's saying all these things. And there's one little verse in here. It says, uh, verse 19, uh, do not quench the spirit. We can apparently quench the Spirit. So like I often do, I go to Webster's Dictionary and I understand, I I look up quench. What's the definition of quench? I want to understand this better. And it's to dampen, to decrease, to cool something, even to extinguish something. Um, So apparently we have some influence or control over how active we allow the Spirit to be in our lives. And that makes sense. We have autonomy. God gives us free will. Which is amazing if you think about it, that a God of the universe with unlimited power, who knows everything, perfect in every way, he speaks creation into existence, will defer to my choices and my life. I want to read uh, just one little quick paragraph, an excerpt from a book I've gone through. The author says this. What role does the human being play in this divine encounter? Only one, to be willing. The only thing you can do is be willing and cooperate with the person in you that can cause it to happen. 
God doesn't cause anything to happen internally that we don't want to happen. God never stomps on our will. He loves it, caresses it, enfolds it, draws it into himself. He never overrides it. Um, in Ezekiel uh, 20, chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, so verse 26, he's talking about, I will give you a new heart. And then in verse 27, he says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will, God will do that. He'll do that for me. And then, of course, Philippians, we talked about uh, who works in you both to will and to work. And I guess I, I left out Luke 9 there, which says uh, we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. So this isn't something you decide once and then it's on autopilot for the rest of your life. This is an ongoing thing that we do. So if I take us back to that hallways image, that mental map, I think our role is just to be willing to open the door. And then the Spirit will fill us and empower us and, and, and put us in that hallway. And then the, uh, the thing that we say around here all the time, Christ followers do what? What do Christ followers do? Follow Jesus. Yeah. So let's look at what Jesus did. In John 6.38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It says the same thing in John 5.30, because, um, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And then finally, Matthew 26. This is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And he says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So, the destination of our journey is Christ-likeness. Uh, go ahead, next slide, Andy. The destination of our journey is Christ-likeness. And that's really about being, not doing. So all these hallways, the goal isn't to pray X amount of times a day and read your Bible Y amount of times per week, but to become a prayer and a reader of God's Word. The objective is not to find a group of people and decide to uh, meet some predetermined frequency of time. It's to become community. The point isn't to schedule a quiet time but to become someone who seeks out silence and solitude because they desire spending time with God. God will do these things, brothers and sisters. God will transform you into this kind of person if you let him or to the extent that you let him. And so one final excerpt I'll read here and then we'll close in prayer. This is from another book. This is Andrew Murray, if any of you know him, it's a book that was written in the 1970s and it's titled, Not My Will. And he says this, referring back to John uh, 6 where Jesus says, I, I came to do the will of the Father. He says, did Jesus then have a will of his own, different from that of his Father, that he should say, not my will? Did he have a will that had to be denied? Andrew Murray says, undoubtedly, yes. The crown of creation was just this, that man had individuality, 
personality, a will of his own by which to govern his actions and choose what he should be. Having desires and longings and a will of his own was not sinful. Without these, he would not have been a rational being. He had a will with which he had to decide whether or not he would live according to God's will. Sin entered only when men, when man set his own will over and against the will of God. And as a human being, like us in all things, the Lord Jesus also had his human will to choose when to eat, for example, or whether to escape suffering. His perfect obedience consisted of complete submission of his will to that of the Father. I seek not my will, but the will of him that sent me. For this Jesus became man. By doing this, he wrought redemption. Man's seeking and doing his own will, in opposition to the will of God, is the root of all sin. The Lord Jesus came to free us from self-will. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, of course, for uh, your work of redemption in our lives. And thank you for your continuing work of transformation in our lives. I'm so thankful, Lord, that I don't have to exhaust and frustrate myself with continued failure and trying to do in my own power what you promise to will and work out in me through your spirit. Thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know you better, to get to know more of you. Give us more of you, Lord. That will transform us and create in us a desire, a craving for more of you. And that's what you want, our hearts that love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.